Welcome to the 10 Minute Medic, the podcast for busy paramedic students. This podcast takes one medical subject and explores it for a maximum of 10 minutes. Here's your host, Dr. Bill Young. Welcome to the 10 Minute Medic. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Young. Before we begin our presentation, I want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. As of the publication of this episode, we have over 350 followers, and in 2019, just a little more than 32,000 downloads. That is awesome. And I just want to say thank you. I'd also like to know what topics you'd like to hear in 2020. Please visit our Facebook page, The 10-Minute Medic, and let us know what you would like to hear. In this, the final podcast of 2019, we'll take a look at the recognition of respiratory distress and failure. Respiratory distress encompasses both breathing too fast as well as too slow to maintain life. It's important that the paramedic be able to recognize and treat both simple and complex abnormal respiratory conditions. In infants and children, as we stated in an earlier podcast, the positive response to these treatments is often quite dramatic. It's quite common that a good outcome is seen after a respiratory arrest, but not so much a cardiac arrest. You'll improve the chances of ROSC by being able to identify early in your assessment respiratory distress in the pediatric patient and aggressively treating it. Let's briefly review the physiology of the ventilatory system. Inhalation in both the adult and the pediatric patient is an active process. Both the intercostal muscles and the diaphragm contract, thereby lowering the pressure inside the lung somewhere between 3 to 5 millimeters of mercury. Because of this lower pressure as compared to the outside atmospheric pressure, air rushes in. Gas exchange takes place in the alveoli, which are covered by multiple strands of capillaries. Because the gas in the alveoli is high in oxygen, and according to the law of diffusion, oxygen will move out of the lungs and attach to the hemoglobin. Because the blood in the capillaries is high in carbon dioxide, the reverse will happen with that one. Carbon dioxide is expelled to the air when the patient exhales. The metabolic rate in pediatric patients is about 50% higher than that of an adult. As a result, hypoxia can have a much more rapid onset in the pediatric patient than the adult if poor oxygenation is present. According to the American Heart Association, hypoxemia is defined as a decreased arterial oxygen saturation detected by pulse oximetry or direct measurement of oxygen saturation in an arterial blood gas sample. In our assessment of patients, we generally consider hypoxemia to exist when the pulse ox is less than 94%. Now, when we're looking at issues of hypoxia, we must know the difference between hypoxemia and tissue hypoxia. As we said earlier, hypoxemia is having a pulse oximetry of less than 94%. Tissue hypoxia occurs when a particular region of the body, or it could be the body as a whole, does not have an adequate oxygen supply. It's important to remember that hypoxemia is not the same thing as tissue hypoxia, nor does hypoxemia always lead to tissue hypoxia. One good example of this is the patient who has a chronic condition in which the amount of oxygen in the blood is low over a long period of time, such as may be seen in the adult COPD patient. The body may respond with a condition known as polycythemia. This is an increase of red blood cells that will help to maintain the oxygen content of the body by an increase in the amount of hemoglobin available. 
Let's take a look at hypercarbia or an increase in the amount of carbon dioxide in the body. It's important to remember that when your patient is hypercarbic, the ventilatory process is inadequate. It's also important to remember that carbon dioxide is not a bad guy here, just a byproduct of metabolism. Much like everything else in life, though, too much carbon dioxide can lead to problems. Any increase of carbon dioxide will increase acidosis in your patient. The most common bodily reaction to this is an increased respiratory rate. The increased rate in depth occurs in an attempt to blow off the excess carbon dioxide. After a while, the child may become so fatigued with this effort of breathing that he begins to become sleepy. At this point, respiratory failure is just a few moments away with the potential for respiratory arrest being very high. A decrease in the patient's level of consciousness is an important symptom that clues you in to an inadequate ventilatory effort. The pediatric patient can often go from being very anxious and agitated to becoming very quiet and sleepy in just a few moments. Other symptoms that may occur with this condition include nasal flaring as well as retraction of the intercostal muscles. There is a difference between respiratory distress and respiratory failure. Respiratory distress is often marked by an increased breathing rate as well as a greater effort and work of breathing in your patient. Respiratory failure comes about as those compensatory mechanisms begin to fail, leading to inadequate oxygenation, inadequate ventilation, or both. In respiratory distress, your patient may be agitated while in failure, they may become very lethargic and sleepy. In the pediatric patient, respiratory failure is often preceded by respiratory distress, but not always. It's important that you keep this in mind when you're assessing a sick child. Some of the symptoms of respiratory distress include an increased respiratory rate, diminished breath sounds, especially in the distant alveoli, an increased heart rate, a low pulse ox, and the potential for cyanosis. Now, keep in mind that cyanosis is a late sign and you should not wait until its appearance before you begin to take your patient's respiratory status very seriously. Signs of respiratory failure include extreme tachycardia followed by bradycardia. Your patient may exhibit a dangerously low pulse oximetry level. You'll often see them begin to bob their head or act as if they're going to sleep. At this point, they're becoming exhausted and you must act quickly. Respiratory failure is a life-threatening state that requires aggressive intervention on the part of the paramedic or else it will deteriorate to cardiac arrest. As we discussed earlier, aggressive intervention on your part is needed to prevent the child from progressing into cardiac arrest. If the child is conscious and responsive, allowing them to determine their position of comfort will help to ensure a patent airway. If the child is not able to maintain their own airway, use the head tail chin lift to open it. In the event of a potential spinal cord injury, you should use the jaw thrust maneuver. Keep in mind that this method of opening the airway is difficult to maintain for a long period of time due to the strain it places on your fingers from pushing the jaw forward. Consider the use of an advanced airway if this occurs. If there is liquid matter in the airway, suction it until it is clear. It's important that you remember a couple things about suctioning. First, when you're applying suctioning, you're decreasing the amount of air available to the patient. Under normal circumstances, this would not lead to a major problem, but you're dealing with a hypoxic child, so this is anything but normal. Secondly, prolonged suctioning can lead to bradycardia. For a child who is teetering between respiratory distress and failure, bradycardia could be disastrous. Provide oxygen and make sure, if at all possible, that it's humidified. Humidified oxygen will help to decrease some of the inflammation in the bronchial tree as well as break up any secretions found there, making it easier for the child to cough them up. 
Use the bronchodilator such as albuterol or ipotropium if needed. The dosing regimen for albuterol is 2.5 milligrams via nebulizer if the weight is less than 20 kilograms and 5 milligrams if the weight is greater than 20 kilograms. If you're administering ipotropium, give 0.25 to 0.5 milligrams nebulized. If this fails, be prepared to begin assisting the patient's ventilation via a bag valve mask. Watch the patient's heart rate as well as their rhythm. Give vascular access Sabbath as soon as you can, especially if you suspect that your patient is a potential risk for cardiac arrest. Caring for a child in respiratory distress or failure is highly stressful. Begin to prepare now for this low-frequency, high-acuity emergency by practicing airway techniques on mannequins and frequently reviewing the appropriate treatment protocols. Don't be afraid to refer to pocket guides should you need them. Thanks for listening to the 10-Minute Medic. In our next episode, we'll take a look at the treatment of shock in the pediatric patient. Just a heads up, this one will be a multi-episode offering. Thanks again for listening.